0: Thank you for tuning into the podcast of Restoration Foursquare Church. RFC, located in Concord, New Hampshire, is a church that desires to develop disciples who will love God, love people, and serve the city. We pray that this sermon will help you grow in your understanding of who God is and how much he loves you. We are jumping right into um, Acts, the book of Acts. We're continuing on. Last week, Josh shared uh, the the end of... uh, well, the, the whole of chapter three. Today we're gonna start on the, the first uh, good portion of chapter four. And so Acts chapter four, if you're there, I'll read. If you're not, I'll give you a moment. And if you don't have a Bible in your hand, there is one under the seat in front of you. Uh, and also if you do not own a Bible, if you don't have a physical copy of God's word yourself and you would like one, we do have, there's five or six of them back there on the, on the piano and you are welcome to them. If you need a Bible, go ahead and grab that and that's yours. It's, it's now your forever Bible or your Bible to read until you are given another one. Everyone there, Acts chapter four? Yes, Pastor Kevin, I'm right with you. Okay, we can be interactive, right? Okay, you're not gonna hurt me with your words. It's sticks and stones that break my bones. So, Acts chapter 4, ready? And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching. Now, who was it that was speaking? Well, Peter, John, the, the apostles were gathered together. Um, and they were speaking and so as they were speaking to the people the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead and they arrested them and put them in custody until the day until the next day for it was already evening but many of those who had heard the word believed and the number of the men came to be about five thousand now picture this Remember, there was the day of Pentecost and Peter speaks up and says, no, hey guys, they're not drunk. This is the Holy Spirit. This is the gift that was promised to us and he presents the Gospel and 3,000 are added to their number. And now, all of a sudden, we've got 5,000 added to their number. And so, hear this and know this. Don't just hear this and like hear it. Hear it and know it. Hear it and believe it. The Gospel, when it's presented clearly, and concisely and through the power of the Holy Spirit convicts and leads people to repentance and transforms lives that's the power of the gospel that's the power of the story the good news so 5,000 came to be and again I know I I shared with you as far as like how they did head counts back in the day it was it was men and so they say the number of the men came to about 5,000 understanding that if men, about 5,000 came, that there were about equal numbers, women as well as children. Interesting fact, statistically, and this is men, this is why it's so important that you're here. This is why it's so important that you play an incredible leadership role within your families, within your households. There are statistics that show that if a child accepts Jesus as their savior, there's, there's a, about a 13% chance that the family as a whole will also come to believe in Jesus and receive him as Savior. If the mother receives Jesus in that household, the, 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 the odds go up some to about 40%. If the father, the husband, accepts Jesus, there are odds of 83% That the whole household will come to know Jesus as Savior. So men, it's vital. It's important that you don't just kind of toe the line and like, I'll just, I'll go to church to appease my wife. I'll I'll go to church so that she won't nag me. I'll go to church so that the rest of the day is good. That that was my life. Before really coming back to Christ, I knew Jesus as Savior when I was younger and then I chose to walk away and live my own life. And that was my life. My wife would wake me up in the morning if I was not scheduled to work a double that day, purposely because I was the manager and would schedule myself to work the double on Sunday. So I'd have a uh, you know, get out of church free pass. If I was not scheduled to work, my wife would wake me up in the morning and say, hey, I'm getting ready to go to church. You can, you can go with me and we can have a great day afterwards or you can choose to stay in bed and I'll go by myself and then I'll come home and make your life a living hell for the rest of the day. (laughs) So, men, don't just appease your wife. Don't just appease your wife. Give your life wholly to Jesus. Surrender everything to him and allow him to lead you and guide you as you lead your family because it has incredible transformative power when you say yes to him hear me okay man if you hear me just grunt okay 12 of you in a room this with this much testosterone we should have a much greater collective grunt so that is me grunt shaming you so Verse 5, on the next day their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, when they had set Peter and John in their midst, they inquired. When I say inquired, when I read inquired, think more like Spanish Inquisition. It wasn't just a, you know, Hey tell me about this it was it was a a solid interrogation by what power or by what name did you do this and then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit and remember you're going to speak out with boldness at some times in your life and if you speak out just with your own power with your own boldness you're going to come across horribly you're going to come across like the jerk but like Peter. If filled with the Holy Spirit, you will speak with boldness in such way that your words will speak effectively and your words will communicate and transform and and will be something that when people hear, they can't not let go or they can't let go of what they've heard. (laughs) Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. when you have conversations with people, when you interact in life with people, when you just do life with people, when you speak up and say things, is it evident to the people around you that you've been with Jesus? See, there's a a marker in our lives. When we've been with Jesus, when we've spent time with Him. Now, understanding you're not gonna physically spend time with Jesus, right? He ascended, He's seated at the right hand of the Father. But when we spend time with him how do we spend time with him in his word when we read through this book this gift that's been given to us by God when we spend time in this when we spend time in prayer and understand prayer isn't just sitting on Santa's lap and giving the wish list but it's also waiting and listening because he does still speak it's in worship and praise it's in our times in the car when we're all by ourselves and we just let it out do you guys do that too or is it just me okay I'm the wild man driving down the highway at 85 and just singing in the spirit is how we'll there, there are times when we spend with Jesus and there's a marker in our lives there's, there's this identifier there's, there's something that people identify and they see and they, there's a difference about you again just as Peter who was filled with the Holy Spirit spoke boldly when we speak boldly in our own flesh there's a marker there too it's called the jerk marker it's a big fat sharpie and it's like we're writing in all caps just yelling and screaming at people but when we're filled with his spirit when we've been with him we can speak in such a way we can speak boldly but that boldness doesn't come across as arrogance. That boldness doesn't come across as, as rude, right? They recognized, they recognized that they had been with Jesus, but seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition, right? The, the proof is in the pudding, right? There was a guy who they saw for decades sitting at the gate, watching as people went in for prayer day after day after day. He was crippled. There was no ability for him to move on his own. He was just asking, like, alms for the poor, alms for the poor, all day long as people were walking by. Opportunistic because he knew that they'd be walking into the temple, hoping that there would be some who would be, you know, merciful enough to toss a couple coins at him. And now this man who they had seen day after day after day for decades, crippled. This man's now standing before them. There's nothing they can say. There's nothing they can speak in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another. This is one of those like, man, what do we do? Like these guys right now are confused. They're not sure how to respond. They're not sure what to do. Like we've got to silence these guys these guys they, they can't be speaking this because it's disrupting our way and our way is our like this is this is security for us it's our comfort it's our it's what we know and they're messing it all up so we've got to tell them to just like be quiet we've got to we've got to shut them up somehow we can't keep them locked up obviously because what they did was bring healing to someone and this person stands before us we can't say that it didn't happen There'll be a riot. So what do we do? So they send them away and they confer with one another. What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Have you ever had knowledge about something? Something that you knew, it was was an important situation, it was vital, like vital facts to a decision that needed to be made and you knew stuff And there were others that wanted to keep that stuff quiet because they had their own decision they had their own mode that they wanted to go into they wanted what they wanted and they're telling you hey just just keep quiet because this this will affect your job if if you speak up in the workplace weren't we're going to make things very difficult for you have you ever been in such a place where you knew that you had to speak up And yet they're telling you, hey, just shut up. Sit down. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, so they spoke up and just said, "Uh, no, I don't think so. No, we're going to keep speaking. We're going to keep proclaiming. We're going to keep allowing the Holy Spirit to use us however He sees fit. And you can't stop us. And when uh, when they had further threatened them, They let them go, finding no way to punish them. Because of the people, for all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, you have made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David your servant said to the holy said by the holy spirit why did the gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the lord and against his anointed for truly in this city there were gathered together they there were gathered together against your holy servant jesus whom you anointed both herod and pontius pilate the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. So they come back to the to the the others. They come back and they report, Hey guys, this is what just happened. Like we were imprisoned, and then we were questioned, and we shared with them what took place, and they told us, Okay, yeah, we we see that. The the guy's standing right before us, but don't ever say that again. Don't ever do that again. Well, we can't. We, we have to. We're going to. And then they go back and they say, well, they, they keep telling us we just have to be quiet. But we're not going to. And then they prayed. They gathered together in a group and understand there is power in prayer. Understand there's power in collective prayer. The same way that we would say one could set what one could set 10 to flight someone get me on the numbers one could set 10 to flight two could send huh a hundred like this yeah it's all messed up well thanks for correcting me you know I'm wrong but no one's going to give me the right ones so there's power in collective prayer There's the opportunity for us to come together and to pray together. And they prayed together. And when they did, they acknowledged, look, this is all messed up. And we've seen historically how they worked against God. They worked against your son. They worked against Jesus. They worked against, they tried to silence to the point where even Herod and Pontius Pilate worked in conjunction together and he was crucified. But Lord, you rose him from the dead. He's been ascended and you've now given us the gift of your Holy Spirit. And God, through that, give us the boldness to be able to continue to proclaim who you are in this world. Do you know that there are times where we need to do that? There there are times where we need to just come together to realize that there are things working against us. There There are principalities warring against what God would want to do. And one, we need to have eyes to see Two, we need to have the Spirit within us to give us discernment, give us understanding so that we can understand the times. There were the men of Issachar. And I, love, I, I my prayer is, Lord, make me like a man of Issachar because the Scripture says that the men of Issachar understood the times and knew what to do. They had great discernment. There are times where we need to be able to collectively come together and discern the times, but also hear from the Lord, hear from the Holy Spirit, have wisdom and understanding that would give us the ability to know how to respond and respond with effectiveness. Not in our own strength, but through His wisdom, through His power. There are times where we need to do that. It's not that we, you know, cloister together and like hide, but there are times in battle. And I, I, I'm using these like violent terms today, but there are times in battle. Understand if, if you don't think that there's a spiritual battle going on all around you every single day, then, then you're deceived. The enemy does everything he can day in and day out. Scripture reminds us that he's like a roaring lion seeking to devour whomever he will. The whole plot of the enemy is to steal, kill, and destroy. He would do anything to disrupt and distract who we are and the mission that we're called to be on. You know what the mission is that we're called to be on? Love God, love people. And we serve the city, and that's how we collectively help encourage and invite others into a discipleship relationship with Jesus. That we would be disciples, but that we would grow other disciples as well. That's the the mission that we've all been called to. We all have our own personal bent. We have our own direction. We have our passions and skills and talents. But those are all used collectively to further the mission of God. Each and every one of you understand that God has purposed for you to follow him, but not to follow him by yourself. That you would be reaching out and grabbing hold of others and bringing them along with you. That you'd be living a life in such a way that, that others would say, I, I want what you've got. It's interesting, if you go into the Old Testament, into Jeremiah. Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet. You know why he's known as the weeping prophet? Because he, he cries, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. What's gray and has a fluffy tail, Dan? It's a squirrel. So. Jeremiah is known as a weeping prophet because he was called by God. He was, he was anointed by God to speak prophetically to Israel. And over and over again, he brought corrective words to Israel because they were going in the wrong direction. They were pursuing their own desires. They were chasing after their own um, f- fleshly hopes. The stuff that we all like see on commercials and go, that would make me so happy. That would fulfill my life. They were going in all those directions. And Jeremiah, time after time after time, would prophesy saying, stop, don't do that, repent, turn around, go the other way. And they ignored him. He was the weeping prophet because everything he said was ignored. He was a weeping prophet because he cried over Israel. I think he also cried over the position that the Lord put him in. God, why, why would you call me to speak to all these people? They're obstinate. They ignore every word I say. Why do you continue to give me these words to speak? He was the weeping prophet. And so here's Jeremiah in a place where he is told over and over again, just shut up and sit down. Like, we don't even care what you have to say. It's of no value. Just save your breath. And here's Jeremiah in Jeremiah 20. And he proclaims it this way. O Lord, you have deceived me and I was deceived. You are stronger than I and you have prevailed. I have become a laughing stock all the day. Everyone mocks me. For whenever I speak, I cry out. I shout violence and destruction. For the word of the Lord has become for me a reproach and a derision all day long. If I say I will not mention Him or speak any more in His name, there is in my heart as it were a a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I am weary with holding it in, and I cannot. For I hear many whispering, terror is on every side. Denounce him, let us denounce him. Say all my close friends, watching for my fall, perhaps he will be deceived, then we can overcome him and take our revenge on him. But the Lord is with me as a dread warrior, therefore my persecutors will stumble. They will not overcome me. They will be greatly shamed for they will not succeed. Their eternal dishonor will never be forgotten. O Lord of hosts who tests the righteous, who sees the heart and the mind, let me see your vengeance upon them for you, for to you have I committed my cause. Sing to the Lord, praise the Lord for he has delivered the life of the needy from the hand of evildoers. They're telling Jeremiah just shut up and sit down don't say anything anymore save your breath you're wasting all your energy and Jeremiah is saying they they say this over and over again they mock me I'm a laughing stock in my community and yet if I were to be silent it's like there's a fire shut up in my bones and I cannot contain it that we would have that passion that we like like Simon and John, or like Peter and John, as people say, you know, hey, this whole God talk thing, yeah, that's great for you, but just leave it in your car when you show up for work. Check it in your locker when you get in school. Don't say anything around us about that. We don't want to hear it. That we would have the conviction, the boldness, and the commitment to what he's done in our own lives, that we would desire that for others as well. And though it may make people uncomfortable that we're speaking something about Jesus, let them be uncomfortable. I understand wholeheartedly that our role, or maybe it's just for me, I see my role as a pastor is to to comfort the afflicted. Those that are in pain, those that are in need, our role is to come alongside them and like the Holy Spirit to be able to bring comfort. But it's a double-edged sword because not only do you comfort the afflicted, but there are comfortable that need to be poked. And so the comfortable need to be disrupted. The comfortable need to be shaken and stirred. And it may be that for each of us, our role, and I, I shy away from using the word disruptor because it sounds so disruptive. <laughs> but maybe it's for us to speak the truth in love, in love, in love. Speak the truth in love in such a way that it would make some people uncomfortable, but it would make them uncomfortable in such a way that would stir within their spirit, there's gotta be something more to what they're saying. That we would speak with such conviction and boldness firmly in our beliefs, which means we need to, even as I said earlier, understand that this is a gift from God and we need to spend time with Him daily. Can I be a broken record on that? We need to spend time with him daily. We, we need to be taking his, his word and devouring it. Man cannot live by bread alone, but, but by his word. His word will sustain us. His word will keep us. His word will strengthen us and empower us and give us the ability to speak and live in the conviction that we have. To not shy away. Do you guys know that there are pressures in the world around us? Okay, good. So I'm preaching to the choir here. The world that we live in will challenge everything that you say you believe. Call into question everything that you believe. And look for any little weakness in the armor, right? Oh, you dance? I thought you were a Christian. Or maybe that's just the school I grew up in. Because dancing leads to sex, right? And you can't, well, everything. Sex leads to dancing, is that what you said? Yeah. There's the opportunity for the world around us. Yeah, I just lost you guys. I said sex. <laughs> There's the opportunity for the world around us to look at us and say, see, you're no different than us. Which is why what? When we fail in our marriages in the church, right? The divorce rate is the same in the church as it is outside of the church. So when we fail in our marriages in the church, what, what moral high ground do we have to say, oh, no, you need, you need to... Don't go see a justice of the peace to get married. You need to be married in the church. You need to be married in the eyes of God. You need to have a godly marriage. And the world would say, well, yeah, how's that working out for you? We need to be setting an example with the life that we live in the relationships that we're a part of. We need to be living upon the firm conviction and boldness of who he is in our life. in every aspect of our life because they'll point out all the flaws. I've got friends that remind me um, of how heavy my foot is and how fast I drive. And you know, if, if I really believed God's law, then I would obey man's law and I wouldn't exceed speed limits. And yeah, me and Betty, we're in an overcomers group. There are opportunities for each of us. There are weak spots. There are opportunities for each of us to grow. There are opportunities for each of us to understand that, you know what, that that is something that I need to work on. Maybe it's our language in the workplace. The words we choose to speak, workplace or maybe the hallway in school. Kick it down a notch to the students as well. The words we choose to use where we don't sound any different anyone else and so what kind of markers are there about our life do we reflect him and glorify him in our actions do we choose righteousness in how we respond in different situations when there's gossip going around in the office do we jump in oh who are you talking about oh man let me tell you what i know do we jump right into that or do we speak up and say now Debbie Downer, hey guys this isn't right, we shouldn't be talking about that person, they're not even here. Are we any different than the world? Because we should be. And if we are, it just further validates our case for the gospel and for a relationship with Jesus for others, that people would see hope and joy and compassion. Something I'm going to be sharing more on today at four o'clock in our business meeting for our vision for this year, I'll give you just a little taster, compassionate care, that each of us would see needs around us and we would walk towards them, that we would look for opportunities to extend our hand to outreach to those in need, rather than just looking at someone and saying, well, sucks to be you. Because we do that. Well, I'm glad that's not me. That we would see opportunities to expen- extend compassionate care to others, sacrificially. That it would cost us something. And in so doing, we would see people's lives radically transformed by the gospel that we would see more and more people come to know Jesus, whether they step foot in this building or another building down the street or a building down the road or a building in another town or city. This isn't about the advancement of Restoration Foursquare Church. It's about the advancement of the kingdom. And that's so much bigger than just our little group right here that he would be glorified, that his gospel would advance, and that lives would be transformed all around our city and our state. That happens when we're bold and consistent in our walk with him. I'm gonna pray and then I'm gonna ask Al to come up and pray too. You guys get a double blessing this morning. Father, I pray, God, that you would give us the boldness, the courage and the conviction to respond to who you are in our lives. God, for those maybe even right now who are here who don't know you as Savior, Lord. God, I pray that we would each say yes to you. I pray that we would repent. I pray that we would accept you as our Savior, understanding that we don't have the strength to do things on our own. We can do stuff on our own, but we don't have the strength to do anything to save ourselves on our own. Only you can do that. And you did that through the atoning work on the cross. Through your death and your resurrection, you defeated the grave once and for all. And so, Lord, I pray for each person here who maybe do not know you right now, God, that they would find eternal life and hope and freedom through you. Give us boldness, Lord. And give us your spirit to lead us and guide us with that boldness so that we don't act out on our own accord. But for your glory alone. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. If you are local to Concord, we would love for you to join us at Restoration Foursquare Church. We meet every Sunday at 8.30 a.m. Consider yourself invited. You can find out more about us at rfcnh.com.